every genuine prayer intercessor learns that we have to be willing in some measure to be the answer to our own prayers. For example, if you obey the Lord's command in Matthew 9:38 to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest, don't be surprised if the Lord asks you to answer the prayer with your own life. After all, Jesus said, the laborers are few. So who will go? The number of gospel workers in the world is largely determined by how many intercessors obey the command to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darig. Ask of me and I shall give thee the nations for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So God promises in Psalm 2, 8, do you ask for the nations? In the biography of the great Welsh intercessor, Reese Howells, I read that a day never passed without him praying Psalm 2. And it's one of my very favorite Psalms declaring that the nations are an inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for a possession. And we're the ones who must have a world mission, a world view to go and get the nations for the Lord. For years, Reese Howells had been praying, like many prayer warriors, for the gospel to penetrate in all the world. Howells had already been a missionary to Africa and had returned home to Wales to start a Bible college when in 1934, the Holy Spirit began speaking to him about his next assignment. You see, the Lord's work in each of us is progressive. When we serve the Lord with all of our hearts, there will be different seasons in our lives. The Lord doesn't always call us to keep doing the same things over and over, but it can be surprising and disconcerting when the Lord changes courses for us because we get used to routines and surroundings, but we have to be continually flexible. Have you ever had an experience in which God is trying to get your attention for a new season? Well, many of us have had new seasons thrust upon us due to COVID restrictions. Intercessors who know the operations of the burden of the Lord can sense, however, when the Holy Spirit wants to communicate something new to our spirits. Sometimes there's an inner knowing, an inner expectation, and sometimes a stillness, an otherworldly silence before the Lord speaks internally or even audibly. So in the middle of the night, Reese Howells was conscious that God wanted to speak some new assignment into his spirit. He kept hearing two words, every creature, every creature, God was speaking to him to believe that every creature on planet Earth will have opportunity to hear the gospel. And the Lord brought to Reese Howells' mind a question. Did he really believe the Savior was serious concerning his last command to preach to every creature? And should this command be obeyed by him? 
theologians call the Lord's last command the Great Commission to preach the gospel and make disciples in all nations, to take this good news of salvation to the ends of the earth, literally to every creature. Actually, the Great Commission is expressed in each of the gospels, but each time with a slightly different emphasis. For example, Matthew's gospel emphasizes making disciples. John's gospel emphasizes remitting sins. Luke's gospel has its own unique version of the Great Commission given by Jesus, emphasizing that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And Mark's gospel puts the Great Commission like this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature with signs following. The plain meaning was preach the gospel to the entire creation. This command means that the disciples were not to confine their preaching exclusively to Judea and Samaria, nor just to the Roman Empire, but their boundaries were to be without limitations. They were to venture to the uttermost parts of the earth, to all the nations under heaven. In one of my studies, I discovered that one of the seven qualifications of a member of the Jewish ruling council, known as the Sanhedrin, was to actually possess the love of creatures, meaning the God-given love of all of mankind. And in this sense, not only the Lord Jesus, but also the Jewish apostles taught that the gospel should be preached, not just to the Jews, but to all people groups without distinction, to both Jews and Gentiles, male and female, rich and poor, literally to everybody. So the Lord asked the Welsh intercessor, Rhys Howes, do you believe that I can give the gospel to every creature? Of course, he answered, you're God. But the Lord said, I indwell my people, so can I do this through you? You see, the Lord is a challenger. If Howells accepted the challenge, what would it mean to him personally? Well, he knew he would have to intercede or be willing to go to any nation and preach, or he would have to serve others who go to the nations until every creature hears the good news of salvation and healing through the Savior. Well, Howells accepted the challenge and was a man of vision, a man with a champion spirit, and he birthed a worldwide prayer ministry. Reese Howells died at age 71 in 1950, and many of us are still carrying on the vision. I, for one, picked up the Every Creature Burden years ago, when I was privileged to preach at the Bible College in Wales. But if Reese Howells were alive today, he'd be shocked by some statistics that I read recently. Islam in Britain has been gaining on Christianity. A report from St. Mary's University in Twickenham has revealed that if current trends continue, Islam will overtake the Church of England in numbers, despite the Church's present privileged status as the state's official religion. The report's author, Stephen Boulevant, a professor at St. Mary's University, said that all the data indicates that religion in Europe is, quote, moribund, meaning near death, stagnant. With some notable exceptions, young adults increasingly are not identifying with or practicing religion, Boulevant said. The new default setting is no religion. 
The few who remain faithful see themselves as swimming against the tide. A whole new generation must arise to take up the challenge to finish the Every Creature Commission, or in case of the Lord's sudden appearing, I believe the Every Creature Commission will be completed by the prophesied 144,000 Jewish preachers in the book of Revelation during the time of Great Tribulation. Well, at the Bible school that Reese House founded, the world became their parish, and that's the same scenario for most modern houses of prayer. The media has shrunk the world. It's just impossible to run a house of prayer without praying for all the world as the Holy Spirit leads. Just as the Bible College of Wales became a house of prayer for all nations, so in Jerusalem there are many houses of prayer, and ultimately Isaiah 56.7 will come to pass. For my house shall be called a house of prayer, says the Lord, for all nations. And we're intercessors praying into the Lord's vision of Jerusalem as a house of prayer for all nations during the soon coming millennium. The millennium means the prophesied thousand-year reign of Jesus when he returns to Jerusalem to restore the kingdom to Israel. Well, I find it relevant that the prayer warfare in Wales during World War II concentrated on doors to be kept open for the gospel wherever opposition presented itself. Because of all the restrictions that we've been suffering due to lockdowns, I can't think of a better prayer right now than for doors to be kept open. It's well known among intercessors that Reese Howells and the Bible College Prayer Warriors fought Hitler on their knees, and they kept the Nazi menace out of Britain while the army and navy fought on ground and sea and the RAF pilots battled in the air. The intercessors were an upper room number of about 120. They were set apart by the Holy Spirit during those war years. They did their job to free the world again for every creature to hear the gospel. The intercessors surrounding Reese House discovered a great truth in the school of prayer, that there are times when God sets apart not just individuals, but entire companies of believers to pray powerfully for the will of God to be accomplished on earth. God knits us together, united in purpose. The Bible College discovered in prayer what we're discovering now, that everything ultimately hinges on the destiny of Israel. The intercessors during World War II had foresight to pray for the return of the Jews and for the establishment of the state of Israel. Today, we're praying further along the lines of Zechariah 12 and 13 for the outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplications upon reestablished Israel. Thankfully, Israel has been a fact for 73 years, but the revival is yet to come. When the burden for Israel first came upon Reese House, it didn't seem likely that the Jews would survive because of the horrendous anti-Semitism in Europe. But he learned that Bible prophecies must be believed and decreed into manifestation. You see, it's a mystery, but nevertheless true, that God is sovereign, yet he chooses to limit himself because he desires for intercessors to be co-workers together with him. 
And so God trains us through prayer for greater service throughout eternity. He said in this word that he would restore Israel before the second coming of Jesus. Yet God expects his church and more specifically, he expects intercessors to exercise faith and to decree his prophetic word into reality. Well, in 1938, Mr. Howes read that Italy had commanded all Jews to clear out within six months. That news, along with Germany's fierce anti-Semitism, directed his thoughts towards the return of the Jews to the land of Israel. He prophesied that the anti-Semitism working through Hitler and Mussolini would backfire and would propel the Jews back to their own land. Howes recorded in his prayer journal that he asked God to lay the burden of the Jews on him. He wrote, I'm longing to help God's people return to their land. He said the Holy Spirit is longing to help them through someone. I want God to touch me deeper still with the feelings of what they're suffering, he said. After the war in October and November of 1947, whole days were given over to praying through on behalf of the Jewish state. This was a hidden work. Most Zionists have never heard of Rees Howes, and yet his band of intercessors contributed towards laying the foundations of the Jewish state. Praying through is a term that means prayer doesn't stop until the object of the petitions is obtained. Because of God's covenant with Abraham, Howells taught intercessors to pray that God would restore his people back to their land. They believed the replanting of Israel would be the fulfillment of prophecy and another sign of the closing of the age. They saw the hand of God at the United Nations in those days. So prayer was concentrated for the UN vote for the partition plan. On November 27, 1947, there was much prayer, but the partitioning of the British mandate of the Holy Land did not carry. So Howells led yet more intensive prayer. And in his journal, he wrote that he saw God's angels influencing the UN, working on behalf of God's people. And at the Bible College, they had full assurance of the victory. The test was that they believe the prophecies in the Bible. But finally, on the 29th of November, 1947, the UN General Assembly adopted the plan as Resolution 181, and the intercessors rejoiced. I think it's significant that Howells wrote that it was one of the greatest days for the Holy Spirit in the history of nearly 2,000 years. He wrote in his journal, during all the centuries of church history, there wasn't a single sign that the Holy Land would be given back to the Jews because they were scattered all over the earth. But now, 4,000 years after God's covenant with Abraham, the faithful God of Israel had gathered all the nations together and made them give much of the Holy Land back to the Jews. Well, I personally never met Rhys Howells. He was before my time. But my husband and I were privileged to meet his son, Samuel. We spent a day with Samuel at the Bible College in Wales, and he very kindly allowed us to read his father's treasured prayer journals. Because our ministry is also concerned about the eternal destiny of the Arab people, 
I absolutely rejoiced to read in his journals that he had set aside a number of days to pray specifically for the Arabs and for the Lord to reveal his position concerning the Arabs. That blessed me profoundly because Mr. Howes came to the same conclusion that I have from the word of God concerning Ishmael. God said in Genesis 16:12 that at first Ishmael would be wild and belligerent, but nevertheless, he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Hallelujah. Does this mean that the Arabs will dwell in peace with the Jews? Yes. Abraham loved Ishmael as his firstborn, and Abraham was even willing to let Ishmael have the firstborn blessing. And God, who means what he says, declared, I have blessed him even though God said the firstborn blessing was destined for Isaac and his descendants. So I was tremendously blessed that Reese Howes had also discovered from the word of God what I've discovered, that God is preparing a big salvation for the Arabs, the other sons of Abraham. And they will come to Jerusalem to pay homage to King Messiah. In fact, Isaiah 60 verse 7 declares, all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Naboth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. I was blessed to preach on that verse in Bethlehem during one of our many evangelistic outreaches amongst the Arabs and to give them hope that God has a great future for them also. Based upon the verses in Isaiah 60 and others in Isaiah 19, God is saying that the Arabs will be saved. The Lord wants us to be burdened, not just for the Jews, but also for the Arabs, to make intercession for them just as we intercede faithfully for the Jewish people. The Arabs are also Abraham's sons. So Reese Howells asked a wonderful question, and he was way before his time in asking it. He asked the Lord, can the Holy Spirit bring in a move of God which will break down the barrier between the Jews and Arabs, that there may be a home and a blessing for both? Yes, I believe it's happening, not by might nor power, but by the Spirit of the living God. In fact, Isaiah 19 envisions a great end-time move of the Holy Spirit in the Middle East. In that chapter, God envisioned a highway of holiness stretching all the way from Egypt through Israel up into Assyria in which all the people of the region, Jew and Arab together, will worship the true God of Israel and enjoy a messianic league under the banner of King Messiah. So we are diligently praying for this end time move of God. Also, Reese Howells wrote prophetically that surely the Arabs are the people of God as well because they are destined to shield the Jews in the last days. You see, Arabs live in territories that will escape out of the hand of the anti-Messiah. And Howells was referring to the prophecy in Daniel 11:41, which predicts that modern-day Jordan, Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will escape from the grip of the anti-Messiah when he invades the glorious land. In 1938, Reese Howells had remarkable prophetic insight. He wrote that we must have faith and believe God's covenant with Abraham that the Jews will dwell in their own land. 
He observed that God had moved upon the leader who had held the Jews in captivity long ago, King Cyrus, who supplied the finances to take them home. So Hal said God will do this again if someone will just believe him. And he added, I firmly believe the times of the Gentiles are drawing to a close and the Jews must be back in their own land at the end of the church age when Messiah returns. How wonderful that as an intercessor, Reese House felt responsible in prayer for the Jews' return. That's the heart of a true intercessor. And he was willing to risk everything to help the Jews. Travail and prayer came upon him for Jewish families who were being cruelly separated and torn apart during the Holocaust. So by faith, he added a property to the Bible College for Jewish orphans of the Holocaust. And I believe all the agony he experienced in prayer actually shortened his life. The Holy Spirit suffered through him in prayer with heartfelt cries and groans. Howells wrote, words don't count at all when true travail comes upon an intercessor. And I've learned that's certainly true. I've been there a couple of times and the agony of travail and prayer is beyond words. Now, my dear friends, think about this. Many of us intercessors have been pondering, is this the time for God's promised spiritual awakening of the nation of Israel? God has clearly told us in his word that he would first bring the Jewish people back to their own land. And then afterwards, he promises to pour out his spirit upon them. In Daniel 9.2, Daniel the prophet said he understood from Jeremiah the prophet that 70 years would have to pass before the Jews could return in his day from Babylon. Then in Daniel 9.3, Daniel's response was not just to sit back, fold his hands, and watch God bring the prophecy to pass. But as an intercessor, he had to become active. So Daniel picked up the burden of the Lord. He set his face toward the Lord God to make his request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And God responded by giving Daniel some of the most awesome revelations in the entire Bible. In fact, Bible scholars say the timing of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem as the appointed Messiah to make atonement fulfilled exact time revelations given to Daniel in chapter 9. But now let's look to see what Jeremiah had written about the Jews' captivity in Babylon. Consider Jeremiah 29.10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. And the next verse, Jeremiah 29.11, God says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Many Christians quote this great verse for themselves, and you can do that, but don't forget, this marvelous promise was first given to Israel. It actually belongs to Israel. And then Jeremiah 29, 12, the next verse, God says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search from me with all of your heart. That's beginning to happen. Amen. Well, in recent weeks, I've been talking to you about Israel reaching maturity as the fig tree nation. 
Jesus admonished believers in Matthew 24 to learn his parable of the fig tree concerning Israel. He said, when its branch becomes tender and puts forth leaves, in other words, when Israel becomes a nation again, Jesus said, you will know that summer is near. So he added, when you see all these things, know that his coming is near at the doors. Jesus said, assuredly, I tell you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. For this, we can conclude that Jesus's return is very near. The fig tree teaching is so important that it's repeated in Luke chapter 21. It says, then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree, a biblical symbol and idiom for Israel, and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So also, when you see all of these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Consider also Psalm 90. Verse 10 says, the days of our lives, a generation, or 70 years, and if by reason of strength, 80 years. Israel has now reached a biblical generation, meaning the Lord's coming is very near. Also, Amos 3.7 is one of my favorite verses, and it always captures my imagination. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he first reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So my friends, God is revealing these things to you and to me, and we're living in momentous days and on borrowed time as far as the times of the Gentiles are concerned. If Reese Howells wrote in his journal in 1938 that the times of the Gentiles were almost complete, how much fuller now are the times of the Gentiles? We're praying as often as possible along with many other ministries, to ensure that Bible prophecies come to pass. I personally feel called to more intensive prayer, and we need your support for that. We also ask for more prayer covering. It seems all hell sometimes tries to hinder the work of intercession, and recently one of the chief prayer leaders in our ministry suddenly collapsed and has gone to glory. Reese Howells once said, When you try to do something for God, Everything comes against you. But when God speaks to you, you can never doubt it. If what God has told you leads you into great trials, then go to God and give the burden to him. Amen. So let's purpose together to pray through for definite victories. And if you'd like to be a watchman on the walls of Jerusalem along with us, we invite you to stay in touch on social media and to receive our free weekly updates and exploits magazine. Contact me at our website, exploits.tv, and download our free Jerusalem Channel app through your favorite app store so you can watch our videos on your mobile phones or tablets anytime. Daniel 11.32 declares that people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. That means we're going to take action. And so until next time, I'll always be contending earnestly for the faith and praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark an evangelist of the empty tomb. Shalom and Maranatha.